We have got a really great episode for y'all today. We have our friend Caitlin on and she just talks about her real and raw story with divorce and finding God and just becoming a woman on fire. I love that phrase that she used. Yeah. My favorite one is, boy, bring your own Bible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. She had a lot of good, a lot of good quotes in there. Uh, so we hope you guys really enjoy this episode. Let's go. I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what the situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. Hello, hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> Walk After Falling Podcast. Um, here with Catherine. And we have a very special guest, somebody from my uh, cohort this past year that I graduated with our master's. Shout out to University of Illinois. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> we have a very special guest. Her name is Caitlin Robb. Caitlin, how are you doing? I am good. How are you guys? Good. We're good. We're super excited. Like I was saying, like we've been, you know, we, like I told you earlier too, you're the second person who is not only a three on the Enneagram, the second three Enneagram person to send us an outline of what you want to talk about. <laughs> that really makes me so much better, feel so much better because that, well, one, that's just how I live my life, but two, it's just good to know that there are other people in the world that are as crazy as me. <laughs> That's a bold statement, but I mean, knowing you, <laughs> you believe it. No, I'm just I, Right, exactly. Oh, I mean, we're all our own kind of crazy, and it's just a matter of embracing it and loving every part of it. Absolutely. Yes, amen. That's good. That's good. Well, a little bit of backstories, just so our listeners know how I met you. I, obviously, I said we were in the same cohort. We graduated um, from University of Illinois. I always got to say that because it feels special. And then- but the first time I ever interacted with you, we were on a group phone call for, I think it was like our first group project together. I think so. Yeah. And then yeah. we had like three other people on there, but like the first thing I heard from you is you talking about just some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to yeah. get into that. We're going to get into that. But it was like, oh man, somebody who's like real, you know what I mean? Like not that everybody else was just like, oh, whatever. But I think everybody wasn't expecting like to get into a group project for school and then kind of hear more about personal life from anybody in general. And I was super like drawn to that because I was like, man, this person is real. And I think since then we've just been uh, clicking, like, you know, getting into each class, helping each other out and just like encouraging each other along the way. And that is how we became friends. Yeah, that's honestly, I have always been somebody that's very, very true to myself. And at that particular time in my life, personal and professional was crossing mm. lines and boundaries every single day. And it was just kind of something I learned to embrace and not worry about what people thought about it. But through that, I mean, through you so many other people too. I found Jesus mm. in so many people in so many crazy ways that I just learned to embrace being able to say, you know, I've got some stuff going on and yeah. this is how it's going to look. And it, it is crazy the ways God can show up in the smallest of moments. For sure. Definitely. And I appreciate that about you and just being real about it and not, and, and being unapologetic for it too. You know what I mean? And I feel like mm -hmm we don't learn to open up and share unless somebody breaks the ice in that way. 
And yes. I think that's so yes. important. Um, yes. And yeah, I just appreciate that. So what I want to start with really though, is like, how are you right now? Like, tell me a little bit about (laughs) (laughs) how this, uh, how COVID has uh, affected you and everything you're dealing with right now or going through. I know you've had a couple moves within the past year and (laughs) tell me a little bit about what's up. Yeah. So I actually started a new job not too long ago and this, um, job, they have weekly team calls and they start off by saying, and this, the last call that I joined, they wanted everyone to use three words to describe their quarantine experience Mm. and me. So at this point in my life now I'm finding myself single again, I'm living alone. Mm -hmm. So for me, the quarantine experience has been not that different. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So it's (laughs) I'm still doing all of the things that I did before. It's just now that when I go to the grocery store, occasionally there's people with masks on Mm. and I'm, I mean, and I'm one of those people, I joke about this, like I'll keep people at a six foot distance, even if it's not in quarantine, (laughs) which is both good and bad. Like I spend all my time in a barn with a horse, not around people. Yeah. I mean, so really, really for me, quarantine really hasn't been that different, but I'm also one of those people that. I wasn't always this way, but I can adapt fairly easily to situations and just kind of pivot and not really mm. worry about it. Yeah. So, and I, I realize that not everybody's like that. And a lot of people kind of thrive on consistent and thrive on just regular routine and knowing exactly what's going to come. Mm-hmm. And, and this whole experience is not that way. And it's a lot of people have had to adjust to that. And so I think there there's, there's value in knowing yourself and knowing that this is just another opportunity to learn more about how you do or don't react to things. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. And so tell me a little bit about like, um, you know, what happened with your, with your job, if you don't mind sharing, like you were somebody who was affected by the, the furloughs and the, and the layoffs and things like that. So tell me how that was a, you know, if that was a struggle or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, when God wants to change, he's going to make it happen Mm. regardless of if we're prepared or ready for it or not. And that's probably what it realized for me. I mean, not that I have, not that I wasn't a good steward of what God had brought about in my life, but I think I'd kind of gotten into a routine of just, I was, I was in a routine. Mm -hmm. It was kind of just every day. I wasn't really thinking about truly all of the good things that God was continuing to provide for me. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of a, I mean, I like to call them heart checks every now and then it was just mm-hmm. kind of a heart check of, Hey, my world can be turned upside down and literally not know what my tomorrow looks like, but I just have to take that and turn it completely over to him. And really with all of the experiences that God has walked me through in the past, something like losing a job really was not that scary mm-hmm. for me. And it should have been, It should have been one of those, like from an earthly perspective, when you think about losing a job, you should, there should be so many crazy emotions that just flood you. I mean, being nervous, being scared, being everything in between, but because of where God, because of the storms that God had walked me through in my yesterdays, I had absolutely no reason to worry about because I knew he was going to provide. I knew he was going to bring me something above and beyond anything that I had previously. And that's exactly what I did. I mean, the position that I have now is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I have a great team. I'm still doing what I love. I mean, I, it, it's a remote position too. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I, there's a lot of flexibility in it. And so it just was another continued reminder for me that I, there is absolutely nothing in my life for me. And I almost had to kind of step back and, and think, okay, am I trusting 
am I being too complacent about this situation? Like, am I trusting him too much? Mm. And I'm like, wait a minute. That's a, that's a stupid statement. I mean, (laughs) why, why, why would I even think that? Why would I even consider that? So it's, it's just remembering that no matter what tomorrow's going to look like, Mm. it's, it'll be okay. It's, it's not going to look like you're okay. That's for sure. It's Mm. not going to look like the okay that you want, but it's, it's going to be okay. Yeah, for sure. And, and you being, and like we said, I said it a little bit ago, you are, and and I told you to take this test because I wanted to know, I think when we, when we (laughs) talked to you, we had an idea of what you might be. We had a couple ideas. So we asked you to take the Enneagram test and, um, just to kind of see, you know, what we're working with here in in Caitlin Rob, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot to unpack. (laughs) So you took the test. What, what did you think of the test when we, when we told you about it and everything, were you like, Oh, another thing to take? Or were you like, no, not at all. Not (laughs) at all. Actually. So I love those kind of things. And when I was on the horse judging team in college at West Texas A&M university, our coach actually made us take a personality test. Mm. And we talked about those personality tests because as a, as a judging team, we spent a lot of time together, a lot Mm. of focused, a lot of time together traveling to competitions. And on top of that, it was an all girls team in college. Right. So Uh there's, there's exactly (laughs) like, and I mean, there's a lot that can go on there. (laughs) So, and it was, it was a way to kind of learn about each other. And, you know, from a teamwork perspective, strengths and weaknesses where somebody's strong, you can carry where you're weak, somebody else can pick you up. And so I was really excited and I've heard the Enneagram, Enneagram, and I've heard it and I just never took it. And so I took it and I, I mean, as I'm reading through the description of a three, it was, <laughs> it was both like a slap in the face and a wonderful reassurance of who I am as a person. Mm. Then like this, you know, like it was what your greatest strengths are often your greatest weaknesses mm. at the same time. And that's exactly what, what I was reading through that description. I mean, for one, addicted to coffee, I'm standing here with a cup of coffee <laughs> in my hand as we speak. So a, yeah, a it's cool. I, I a forty-five dollar, a forty-five dollar, forty-five dollar coffee. For <laughs> inside real. joke, good inside golly. joke. Inside my own and <laughs> But yeah. that's good. That's good. I'm glad you took it, and I am. Um, yeah, we are really excited to talk a little bit about that. So I want to touch on these things. So I'm going to name off um, just a couple of the words, and then see like. W- Tell us a little bit about how those maybe play into who you are, maybe. Um, So I'll just read off the simple stuff it says. Um, So the number three on the Enneagram is the achiever. And it's Uh success-oriented. Um, yep. pragmatic type. So adapt, oh, yes. adaptable, which we, you said you don't have a problem with pivoting. Yep. Excelling driven. And yes. the one thing I want to get into a little bit is the okay. image conscious. Does that oh, apply yeah. to you? <laughs> oh Lord, does it ever? Yes. Yes, it does. Tell, so tell, tell me a little bit about Oh that. my gosh. So, okay. So for one, I was a pageant girl growing up. Oh, um, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. So there, there's that at a very superficial level. I mean, that's when you think about pageantry, you definitely think about images. When you think about, you know, like I was part of Miss America for a very long time, mm. competed at Miss Illinois. Yeah. Um, so there, there's that part of it, but I'm my, my best friend will joke about this to this day. We were in college and she wanted to go to Walmart on a Saturday. And I said, yeah, sure. I'll go with. And so me, go into the bathroom and I start getting myself ready. Like mm-hmm. I do my hair, I do my makeup. And about halfway through that, she bangs on the door and goes, 
Caitlin Christie, we are just going to Walmart. You are not allowed to put on <laughs> oh makeup and put gosh. yourself together. Because she knows me, right? <laughs> so, yes, that's it's, being image conscious is just kind of something that has been a part of me my whole life. And there's value to it. There's absolutely value to it. I mean, thinking about working in communications, especially meeting people on a regular basis, there's that first impression. It's always really important to kind of, I mean, just have have yourself be mm. a reflection of the words that you're about to say. Yeah. But honestly, where it became a huge detriment for me. And then this, I mean, this can just get into the heavy stuff here. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I, when it came to dating and relationships, I was just interested in a guy validating what I looked like mm. rather than what my heart looked like. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what got me into a lot of the situations that I, I put myself in. And a huge part of that too, was that, I mean, I'd had a lot of experiences in my life where I didn't really want to talk about them or be vulnerable with someone mm -hmm. about them. So it was easier just to know that whoever I was talking to dating, whatever it might be, was just, you know, they just thought I was attractive and then I could just leave it at that. But of course yeah. that's, that doesn't last. That's not, you don't build anything on physical, physical attraction. Mm. I mean, you should be attracted to whoever you're dating, but mm -hmm. you don't build anything that's worth, that's going to crumble in exactly. five years. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. And I think so. that's something that as women, like, I know I struggle with that too. Like hey, just I'm attractive. What are you talking about? No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just like always, always feeling like you have to be put together or put on mm -hmm. for just, you know, and to be like found attractive in that way, you mm -hmm. know, and it's yes. such, it's such a yes. game with dating like mm -hmm. that. Um, but, yes. Yes. but can you tell us a little bit about just your, your walk with faith growing up? Like, how did you come to know yeah. Jesus and yeah. how has your relationship grown throughout the years? Yeah. And yeah. a little bit more with that is just like letting us know how the faith uh, like kept you balanced with that image control yeah yeah absolutely so I was one of those lucky children that grew up in the church I was baptized um, when I was you know months old my parents were both believers and to this day my whole family is still very rooted mm -hmm. in faith and the older I get the more I realize how truly blessed I am to have known that experience and to have a family like that because so many people in this world don't mm -hmm. and haven't grown up in a family where you went to church every Sunday where you prayed every time before you ate at the dinner table where <laughs> it was just yeah. you know it was just to, no, not many people had that. And so for me, as I was growing up, I didn't ever not know Jesus, but there were times in my life where I was absolutely lukewarm, mm. where I was not on mm -hmm. fire. And it kind of became, it, it's not that I, I, again, I didn't, it's not that I didn't believe or that I didn't know what scripture said. It's that I just kind of took for granted exactly how much you could come on fire in my life. Mm -hmm. And that's so a good I way to put that, it. it. You know, it, it just, there, there's a difference between truly being on fire for Jesus and loving his word and mm -hmm. being rooted in his word and just being lukewarm. Mm -hmm. And that, and it's, it's, it, as, as a believer, there have been times in my life where I've walked, walked through those storms and where I realized I was lukewarm. Wow. And so, I mean, that, that, I mean, going back to the image conscious thing, that's kind of how I re came to realize that I was, I mean, I, ne I needed to walk through those storms. I didn't like them. Of course, they weren't comfortable. They weren't mm -hmm. fun. Um, I learned a lot about myself and about other people, but I wouldn't be the incredibly on fire person that I am today if I didn't have those experiences from yesterday. Yeah, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And 
you know, when you're growing up and you are, you know, in, in these things that you're judged on specifically on the way that you look, you also mm-hmm. ride horses. You're an equest- equestrian, right? Is that how yes, you say I it? sure am. Yep. Yep. You <laughs> so, got it. <laughs> so there you're, you're judged on probably multiple things, but the first thing that comes to my mind is like you, what's the right word for this? Um, kind of like perfection in the way that your horse moves and looks so how the pressure tell me tell me about this pressure you must have been feeling (laughs) yeah well and honestly that kind of goes back to just the Enneagram 3 personality as a whole like the achieving and Mm -hmm. the success and that that is how I truly define a lot of what I do in my life is I want to be successful and I achieve. And I, I actually had an ex-boyfriend once that I did something and he looked at me and goes, can you ever just achieve? Do you have to overachieve at everything? <laughs> like, I'm like, obviously we are not together anymore because that's just not my style. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, and honestly, that doesn't come from, again, I, I had an incredible childhood I, there wasn't any pressure growing up to get perfect grades or be the perfect daughter or win at all of these things. It's just something that I do. It's something that I enjoy, but yeah, it's, it's a pressure filled environment consistently. And so it's, it's just a matter of remembering. And I wasn't always this way, right? I mean, there, there comes a time when you have to remember is, am I, am I working for the reward or am mm. I working for the physical reward? Mm. So, you know, am, am I working to better myself or am I working just because I want another trophy to hang up on the wall? But at, I mean, at the end of the day, you always have to remember to, you don't work for men. You don't work for mm. earth. You work for the Lord. And that's kind of when the perspective changed for me that it doesn't matter what the result is at, at, on earth at the end of the day at the end of my life, I'm going to be asked, you know, good and faithful servant, like, mm-hmm. and not just good and faithful yes. believer. Like there's a, it's not good at <laughs> that versus not good and faithful believer. It mm-hmm. is good and faithful servant. Wow. So I can achieve and I can, you bet I can line my wall with trophies and that's <laughs> fine. But it, when I do it, am I reflecting who he intended uh. my life to be and what he intended my life to be? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love the the servant part of that because it does it it makes you relinquish a little bit of control in that way and say yeah, like I yes. am I'm so open to being used however you need to use me Lord mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yes and the the hard part with that is that that often doesn't look like we want it to look mm-hmm. and I am one of those people I love to put life in a box like mm-hmm. I, again going my personality life is better organized by size weight color and date of birth it just is <laughs> the past couple of years of my life and, and the divorce that I walked through. And that was not, I could not put that in a box. And that mm-hmm. was the first time in my life when God made me sit down and say, Hey, Caitlin Christie, you can't control this. Mm-hmm. You can't perform enough. You can't win enough in this situation. You physically cannot do enough in this situation wow. to make this any better. This is on my terms. Yeah. And that was hard. I, I struggled a lot, a lot with that. And it was, I, I resisted it. I, I, I resisted it a ton. Mm. I mean, in, in the smallest of ways, but it, it was when I, when I realized that that's kind of when the game changed for me. 
And what do you feel like got you to that point of God needing to sit you down and say, hey, this is not how you're going to do this anymore? Oh, man, that's a really great question. Honestly, I cried. (laughs) So that sounds really trivial and really small, but I am not, again, I don't like emotions. I would like to put them in a box and shove them underneath the bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I, I can't, this kind of goes back to the performance thing throughout my entire life. I really never thought God was talking to me mm. because in my, in my head, I had this vision of, you know, like Morgan Freeman kind of booming <laughs> voice, like moment stopping kind of thing. And so I was just like, well, you know, I guess I'm just not doing enough as a wow. Christian to hear God's voice. So I'll do more, right. I'll mm. achieve more. I'll, I'll do more. And I started realizing that the moments when God was talking to me throughout my divorce was when it was so quiet, it was so subtle. And then I would get emotional because mm. I don't like getting emotional. Mm. I don't like crying. It's vulnerability. It's turning something over. And so that's when I realized that he was, he was speaking to me is when I was literally coming face to face with my emotions, like I'd run into a brick wall. And so that's when I would just take that moment and I would just cry and I would feel all the things. Mm. <laughs> and I think it's important that it, we have to remember that it's, it is okay to feel those things. And God says it's okay to feel those mm-hmm. things, but what he tells us is that it's not okay to sit there mm-hmm. forever in those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, don't feel. He says, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give it up to me. Let me carry it. You can't carry it on your own. Hand it over to me. Once you feel, turn it over. Yeah. And I love that you say that because I, I am totally the opposite of you. Like I'm someone who really does. I live in my emotions. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we literally just had to talk about this like 30 minutes ago, but, um, but yeah. So I think that's so powerful when you say you don't live there, but for someone like right. you, who, who you definitely don't live there, you know, like it, it takes yeah, a lot for yeah. them to come up. What was it, what was it like for you to have all these things kind of flood in on you? Oh man, it was, it was overwhelming, but at the same time, it's what gave me such a comforting peace throughout the entire thing. Mm. Do you feel like you were fighting them coming up? Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my Mm. gosh. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I was cause, and initially whenever I would start crying, I would get angry too, because I was Mm -hmm. feeling something I didn't want to (laughs) feel. I was, I wanted to control this. I wanted to fix it. I wanted to make it better. And that just wasn't going to happen. But the more I started to open my eyes to what God was doing and what he was trying to tell me, the more I realized that it was so prevalent and literally, I mean, the Exodus 14, 14, I will fight for you. All Mm. I had to do was just sit back. I mean, and I was, that was the problem, right? I was trying to fight my, my best friend, sister in Christ. She, I I was coming to terms with this divorce is not, it's not looking like I want. I mean, Mm -hmm. this reconciliation is not Mm -hmm. going to mean a turned around marriage. And I, Mm -hmm. I did, that's not what I wanted. And so she finally just said to me, Caitlin, you are never going to perform enough to win God's love. So what makes you think you are going to perform enough to win your ex-husband's love? And that's kind of when it hit me that that's when I realized that I, I have to turn this over. I can't put my control on it. I can't put my thumb on it. I'm, I'm not going to fix this at at the end of my life. I'm not going to be asked about anybody else's sins. I'm going to be asked about my own. Mm -hmm. I have to stand accountable for my own. And that includes giving him the control and turning it over to him. 
Mm-hmm. And can you talk a little bit about just the process of realizing that that your marriage was not going to end in reconciliation? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was. Um, so at the time, my entire divorce process, my husband was deployed. Um, so that was it, it was both a blessing and a curse at the same mm-hmm. time, um, because there wasn't not that there wasn't necessarily closure, but in a way there really wasn't closure. We weren't able to have face to face conversations. Mm-hmm. But I think in in the situation for both him and for me, God knew that face to face conversations probably weren't going to be the right thing for mm-hmm. either of us and our hearts at that moment in time. Um, so it was just, you know, it was, I just discovered a lot of darkness that had been going on in my marriage and a lot of just scary things that weren't, that weren't the light of Christ. Mm -hmm. And, and so it was, it was really, it was shocking. It, it, it still, I mean, it's always going to hurt to think about those things. And it's always, I mean, I will always love my ex-husband. I mean, cause that's just love is a choice. It is Mm -hmm. a commitment. Mm -hmm. It is not a feeling. It's not fleeting. Um, and I, I never wanted my marriage to end in a divorce. So it's, it was, it, it was just simply a matter of realizing that there, there are two people in this marriage. And so there are two stories that are going on. There's my story. And then there's my ex-husband's story mm-hmm. and God is, is meshing them and using them. And it's, it, it was, it wasn't fun. It still wasn't fun. Still isn't fun to think about it. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things that it is, it is a real thing. It is who I am. It, divorce is a real thing in our world. Mm. And I will never not speak the truth about what God did through the broken. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I know that, like you said, it's not always fun to think about those things or fun at all, but you know, we, no. we really thank you for your vulnerability with that. Um, I want to talk about like support through all of this. Like we know, oh that, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we know that, <laughs> you know, with, with God, we're never alone. You know, if you're a believer right. and you have faith, you know, you're never alone, but it's different when you have real people in your life who, and what mm-hmm. they're speaking into you. Cause they can, they can continue to speak life into that situation, death into that yes. situation. Tell yes. me a little bit about your support system through all of this, the good, the bad, oh the my ugly. Gosh. Ugly. Yeah. So it's, I had, I, I, I thought I had a support system, Mm. but I didn't, I did not realize the rooted support system that I had in all of this. I mean, people just showing up out of the woodwork with kind words, with love, with encouragement, the people that were in my life that just wrapped their arms around me. Mm. I mean, and for me to sit here and say that I acted like Jesus throughout the entire situation would be a straight up lie. I Mm. didn't, I'm human. Of course I got angry. Of course I got mad. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, you, but at the end of the day, the people that brought me closer to Jesus were stronger and more connected to my heart and where it was at that moment in time than the people that weren't. And honestly, divorce is one of those things, you know, you think about what, how we as humans look at sin, like we look at sin as a bar graph, right? Mm. Like there's some that's worse than others. And Mm -hmm. it's easier to point fingers and say, we would never do that. But God looks at sin from an overhead view, right? Mm. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, lying to your neighbor or if you're murdering someone, I mean, sin Mm -hmm. for him, sin is sin is sin is sin. Mm -hmm. And for me, one of the things that I really, I, I had to understand and just again, turn over to Jesus was that not everybody was going to look at me and the decision that I was making in my divorce, mm. the same that I did. And I mean, the, the, the church that we went to at the time, 
one of the first things that was told to me was that they wanted to hide the situation because people might judge mm. what was going on. And I mean, that crushed me to yeah. be totally honest, because my first thought was, well, deceit is what got this marriage here in the first place. Mm. And please tell me how being deceitful to the congregation is doing any good yeah. for me. That was a small win for Satan. Wow. I mean, I, I had, I mean, there angry letters. I mean, it just, wow. it was, there were so many people and even people with good intentioned advice, I mean, hey, go literally, you can do whoever you want. That's not the right answer to tell somebody going mm-hmm. through divorce. Just going to put that on the table. Yeah, That's yeah. all. Sex is a whole nother thing. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Um, and even just, oh, honey, you're beautiful. You'll have no problem finding another husband. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Do not tell someone that is going through a divorce <laughs> that she is beautiful. It's going to find another husband. That That's not the problem. You know, it's just. It, that was the thing that I realized instantly was that everybody is going to have an opinion, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. But when you find your support system, you cling to those people because they are going to cling to you. I mean, sisters in Christ that I had when I was in college, they were still with me to this day, walking mm-hmm. me through this process that wow. I went through. So when, when you find your people in Christ, when you find your tribe, you hold on to them and you never let them go mm-hmm. because you never know when you're going to need them. That's mm-hmm. true. That's true. Yeah. And I like the, the part you, you know, you touched a little bit about like sin and what that looks like for different people. And lately I've been, um, you know, even with this book and we'll get into that a little bit too, that's, uh, you know, relationship goals by Mike Todd. Yes. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, uh, you know, he talks about the arrow, you know what I mean? It's even on his cover on the goals. And I was listening, I was actually watching a video of Stephen Furtick doing, uh, an interview and he talked about, he was talking about like sin and what people feel about sin. And really he's like, you know, sin, we look at it as an action when really, or Mm. we look at it as like an action of people doing something wrong. Um, you know, something that falls short of the grace of God or falls short of the love of God. But you know, the Greek, the Bible was written in, in a different text. You know, the, the word sin was actually used as like an archer missing his mark. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of people yes. don't, if they were to look at it deeper like that, you know, they look at sin as this disastrous thing that we do and, you know, this ugly right. thing that we do. And really it's, it's not the ugliness. It's, it's what we do that that ugliness is a result of. And yes. it's missing yes. the mark yes. on what God has for our life. Now yep. for you, for somebody to tell you, Hey, you not trying to work your marriage out Yeah, You might've been, it's not their business to know unless you tell them, but right. that doesn't mean you're sinning. That doesn't mean you're missing the mark. You know, you're right. just, right. that mark might not be for you anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. God might have yeah. your, your target even further now, because there's more things you have to go through, more things you have to learn to grow from more things you have right. to pivot from. So, right. I just wanted to touch on that because we always feel like, oh, you're sinning, you're sinning, you're sinning. But no, it's not that I'm sinning. It's that, hey, I might have missed the mark here, but that doesn't mean God isn't creating another mark for me there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. One of the things that I, I mean, ironically enough, heard at a marriage conference was that if Satan can't get in front of you and stop you, Mm. he'll get behind you and push you. Mm -hmm. And, even, and your he, actions, yeah, even yeah, he has to yeah. get in line and get permission to mess with that's us. That's exact, and that's that's exactly it. You 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 give permission either to Christ or to Satan, mm. and that starts from the heart first. Mm. I mean that that's exactly where it. I mean, you even think about just the general. You think about an action before you ever do it. Yeah. 
And that wow. that's the reflection of sin, right? Sin, sin just, you don't just walk into a room knowing that you're going to lie to somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it doesn't happen. It, it, it sin is premeditated. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. And it, it's, and that's what gets a hardened heart mm-hmm. is that you just, you premeditate on it so much and then you just become numb to it. And, and that's, that's exactly it. And that's not saying that, that God can't take the sin and where you've been, that action, that arrow and redirect it. Mm. But the thing is you have to let him, Mm -hmm. you have to let him. And that it, that sometimes that requires an earthly submission that makes you put your pride aside. It makes you walk away from people that aren't helping you. Sometimes it is the hardest, hardest, hardest thing that you will ever have to do because on earth it does not look like what's popular and Mm -hmm. you just got to get that out of your head because life is a, I mean, it's entirely too exhausting to continue to let Satan get in front of you or behind you. Mm, Yeah, that's so true. And what do you feel like in your divorce, like that whole story, what do you feel like was the hardest thing for you to submit to? Oh man, that I couldn't, force my husband to turn over to Jesus. That mm. was the, Oh, that's so I will, hard. It was, it's, and it, it's still heartbreaking too. Cause for me, I knew, I knew that it, as long, and, and this sounds terribly selfish of me to say, as long as I knew I was in his life, I knew he was seeing some form of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And it was wa- walking away. I didn't walk away from him because I didn't love him. Like I said, I still do, but it, I walked away from him because I knew I couldn't be a savior. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was the hardest thing. I mean, it still breaks my heart to this day. It's just, it's a hard thing to, to love someone enough to know that you have to walk away from them and let them make their own choices. Wow. Absolutely. And, I mean, I'll, I'll say this to this day. My, my ex-husband is a, he's a great man. He's a great person. Um, it just, there, there were demons there that I couldn't fix and I couldn't mm-hmm. save for him. And, and anybody that has a darkness in their life, they, they have to choose to fix that yeah. on their own. Yeah. Yeah. And that is one of the hardest things as someone who, you know, if you love someone and you want to support them, like you said, you want to almost be their savior, but you have to realize that you can't be, and they have to mm-hmm. want it. And that is so, so hard. It is. It is. I mean, and one of the verses that I really cling to was first Corinthians 1533, which is do not be misled. Bad company corrupts, corrupts good character. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I had to remember that. Like I, it is my relationship with Jesus being hurt because I'm choosing to keep this person in my life is wow. really just what I was. I mean, and again, like I, I under, like I, I started the divorce process and yes, that's not what God wants for my life. And that's not, that, that's not the intention. That's not ever what he wants for anyone's life. But at the same time, that again, that's a choice that I will have to speak for at the end of my life. I don't have to justify that decision to anyone mm-hmm. in yeah. anyone yeah, that, absolutely. I mean, anybody can look at my marriage and, and say whatever they would like, but behind four, but you know, behind closed doors, behind four walls, that's what I have to answer for mm-hmm. to Christ at the yeah. end of my life. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And what, you know, you talk about that verse and it says, it corrupts good character. And what do you feel like was, was coming up as being corrupted? Like in, in terms of like what you were thinking about yourself, like what damaging thoughts or just anything like that? 
Oh yeah. It was just that I, I, that I wasn't performing enough. I honestly, for me, the damaging thought was, well, my marriage isn't turning around because I'm not doing enough. I'm not praying Mm. enough. I'm not doing enough devotionals. I'm not praying enough for him. Mm. I'm not being a a good wife. Mm. Um, that that's what it was. And I, I think too, I I think we forget that Satan can even twist the good things in our life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really easy to see Satan in things like, you know, I mean, drug abusers or people that are addicted to alcohol. But for some of us that that don't ever experience that, we still have to remember that Satan's going to take whatever he can get. Mm. He's he is lazy. He is a cheater. He's not going to work for anything. So if he sees a bit of an open door, He's just going to put his foot in and work from there and then just let us ruin the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes those small damaging thoughts, he, he's just going to let us run with it. And for me, that's what it was. And it, again, it was tying back to my personality, right? I'm a performer. I'm an achiever. Mm. I want success. And so for me in that moment, success looked like a marriage that was turned around. So I can do it. Mm. I, I can do wow. it. But wow. God is God marriage. God designed marriage. That is, it is a, that is a three-way relationship and one person can't carry the weight. Yep. Yeah. You're so, you're so right. And I'm just going to read really quick from this book, relationship goals um, in chapter two. I don't know how far you are in it yet. I finished it last night. Oh, it's great. So good. <laughs> <laughs> great. We're on chapter two because we're using it as like our devotion right now as well. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually, what you just said right there, you know, I'm going to read real quick and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to read you two different things, but I'll, you know, answer okay. after I read the first one. Um, so it says a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two mm-hmm. can stand back to back and conquer. What does yes. that mean for you looking forward now? Oh man, man, that right there. <laughs> that's the man that I'm after. Mm. Like Mm-mm-mm. I got your back. You got mine. Mm. Like that's what it means. And, and, but here's the thing. It's also realizing that sometimes when we're standing back to back, one of us might be taking a nap, wow. right? Like it's, it's knowing that you're standing back to back because God has told you you're stronger back to back. Not because your selfish interest wants your back to have protected. I mean, yes, at the end of the day, we all want a safe place. We all want security, but you're standing back to back because God has given you the direction that your marriage will stay on track no matter what comes at you if you stand back to back. Yeah, that's great. That's really good. Yeah, I had that. That's that's a picture of uh, to me of yeah, just God creating. You know, he even in this chapter, he he reads that Ecclesiastes four and nine through twelve. Like he's talking about that stuff. Like two people are better off than one. But that leads into yes, there two are better than one. But this question, this next question that I have for you here, he puts there. He says you can usually tell whether a relationship is good is uh, from God. Uh, whether a relationship from God, just by looking at this uh, one qualification, he asks, does this relationship help me? So thinking about that now, uh, again, looking forward, now where you're at, what does that statement mean to you? What does that question mean to you? Oh my gosh. My, okay. So my pickup line now is boy, show me your Bible. Because (laughs) (laughs) like what, what that means for me is, is knowing that you will not be perfect. You are not perfect, but you are looking to the one every single day that is. Wow. That's what that tells me. Wow. I mean, it's, it is, we're human. At the end of the day, we are all human. Mm-hmm. And one of, one of the things I kind of had to come to terms with when I first started 
being open to the thought of dating again after divorce was I, I wanted security yeah. from a guy, yeah. you know, cause I, cause of where I'd been, I just, I wanted someone to look at me and say, Hey girl, you're safe now. Wow. But what I didn't realize, and honestly, this is just something I, I real after I read this book, after I finished this book, reading this book, my security is going to come from Christ. Like mm-hmm. I knew I'd, I'd gotten over the physical aspects and knowing that I was valued and loved and cherished by God, but what I needed was security. And I wasn't going to find that in a guy. I'm going to find that in Christ. And so, I mean, for me to sit here and say, I know what that looks like in a dating relationship. I I don't, Mm. because I just had this revelation revelation. But for me, that, that just means that in anyone that I approach in a dating relationship, I, I want, I want to know that you are daily seeking Christ in even the smallest of ways, because I'm trying to do the same thing because God has prepped my heart a whole heck of a lot for whoever my husband is. And I want to know that you're cherishing that just as much as I am. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You had a, uh, you had a real nice quotable in the, uh, in the outline that you gave us about <laughs> the difference between boy and a man. What, what, what's that? Yes. quote? Oh my gosh. A boy knows where a Bible is, but a man knows where his Bible mm. is. Mm-hmm. That puts a whole I new mean, meaning to, to BBYOB. Boy, bring your own Bible. Boy, bring your own Bible. <laughs> yes, let me see it. Yes. I mean, there, and they're honestly, I mean, they're truly, I could talk about this one all day long. There is a difference between a boy and a man. And yeah. honestly, in the past, that's that's where that's where I was. Because this sounds terrible, but women all over the world are going to hear me here. Boys are easy to manipulate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're easy to mold and shape, right? <laughs> I mean... But, but a man who's grounded and is going to hold you accountable in your actions because he's after God, Mm. that's a whole different level. Mm. And that's, I'm there now. I wasn't when Mm. I started my marriage, when I got married, I didn't realize that, but I, I will forever be thankful for the marriage that I had because Mm. it showed me exactly what it was like to see God's love every day, to love someone when by all earthly regulations, they do not deserve it. Wow. Mm. But God does that to us every single day. And mm. that, that what I walked, I know, I mean, I, my future husband is going to be a heck of a man. I can tell you that because <laughs> what God has done in my past, he is not going to waste that. Like the things that are, are being put on my heart and have been put in my heart. He, I mean, he is going to appreciate them so much, not because I have personally grown through them, but because God has used them to shape me into a woman on fire. Mm, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't know where he's at. He might be stuck up a tree somewhere. I have no idea. <laughs> but I, I am ready to meet the man, whatever he wants to show up. And I love what you said about accountability. Cause I think I didn't realize that how special and necessary that was in a partner until Julian. And I really don't like it sometimes, but he does call me out when I'm like, you know, when I'm, when I'm stuck and, um, especially, you know, like we were talking about before when I'm stuck in my feelings and he, he doesn't tolerate Mm -hmm. that with me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that I have realized just being in a relationship with him that yes, that I need to be held accountable for that. And what's something that you will need your future partner to hold you accountable for? Oh my word. My attitude. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So again, being being the personality type that I am, I know how to do it. I know how to do it correctly, and my way is going to be the best way. And there's just going to be no questions asked. And if you would just sit down and shut up and listen to me, everything's going to oh, be better. My goodness. So and I fully reckon, like I was raised by a strong woman. I come from a family of strong women. So like I know it is part of my personality. But one of those things that I'm going to need him to be able to do is look me in the eye and say. Hey, Caitlin Christie, I think you're beautiful, but I also think you're being a little bit extra right now. Mm. <laughs> and, <laughs> so it's, it's, but uh, like on the with same love, field, with love, it, with love, exactly. It's, it's being able to hold your partner accountable and being able to say those things to them from, from a place of love and not from a place of controlling or not from a place of any kind of malicious intent. Mm. And there's a fine line, right? I mean, yeah. you, you have to figure out that cadence and, to say that you would be able to figure that out with somebody instantly is that's not going to happen. I mean, for one, how can you make up kiss and make up if you don't have some fights every now and then, mm-hmm. but you, you have to learn how to fight nicely. Like you have to, have to yeah. fight fairly, how which cl- sounds so cliche, but yeah. it's true. How, mm-hmm. how close are you in the word apology? Apologize. I'm sorry. How close are you to? Oh man. Um, I am closer than I was. Mm-hmm. And for me to sit here and say that I was, I apologized correctly in my marriage would be an absolute lie. I mean, it's, it's easy to get caught up in selfish emotion and an mm. apology. Um, and even an apology should be a recognition of a repentance, not mm. regret. Um, I mean, you, you should come, come to the other person and say, Hey, I am, I am sorry. I realized that the actions I took were not the right actions and that something happened and, you're you're feeling upset because of the because of the actions that I took. I'm taking responsibility for those actions. Mm. You didn't deserve to feel that way. And I realized also that I can change my actions and that I can do better for Christ mm. first and for you next second time around. And that goes for real. I mean, that goes across the lines of all relationships, right? Like yeah. it's it's not. You should never say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Mm. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how that works. You're, mm. you're, allowed, you're allowed to feel. Catherine's giving me some big eyes right now. <laughs> Did you hear that? I can feel those big eyes. <laughs> oh, Lord. <sighs> But that's good. And and I want you I want you to use that another beautiful quote that you put in there because apology without what? Oh, apology without change action is just manipulation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me what that means to you. Oh, for me that means knowing that words are important, but actions are just as important. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so it's, it's a matter of, I mean, even something as simple as I'm really sorry that I didn't put my dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> I'll do it differently next time. Mm-hmm. But it, at the same time, it might, it might also be recognizing that for like for a woman, and this is not me, but for a, <laughs> for a woman that is, that is also a mother, like, yeah. and she's trying to take care of a thousand different things mm-hmm. and the simple act of putting dishes in the dishwasher shows love to her more than Mm. anything else. That's why you're apologizing. It's Mm -hmm. not the physical act of just putting the dishes in the stinking dishwasher. (laughs) It's, Hey, I care enough about you and what you're doing for our family for me to take 30 seconds to do this. Mm. That's good. That's so good. That is. And so now Caitlin moving forward and you know, you're this woman on fire. You're ready. What is your true North? Like, what are you going to stand on? 
what have you been standing on and what is going to carry you through the next season of your life? Yes. So I will never forget that one of these quiet moments where God just kind of spoke to me really quietly. I was in the, of all places, the master bathroom of the house that my ex-husband and I were in. And um, he was deployed. The divorce was becoming very real. I was just kind of fighting it. And I was literally picking up a towel that was on the floor. And in the back of my head, I heard the phrase broken blessing. Mm. And I had no idea what that meant. I'm like, I just kind of stopped and went, well, that was weird. And just kind (laughs) of carried on with my life like nothing ever happened. But that literally became my mantra throughout the entire divorce process and has still become the mantra that I cling to every single day because I have learned sometimes the most beautiful things that God creates in our life show up really, really ugly and broken first. Mm -hmm. And that you should never look at something as terrible or scary, but look at it for a blessing that God is going to use in your life. So I I broken blessings through painful joy. I mean, my, Mm. my divorce will always be a painful joy for me because it's painful because it is real. It happened. There was ugly, there was darkness, but the joy that has come into my life since through then and since then, I, I can't deny that to, de- to deny all that would be to deny God because wow. the, he had his hand on it the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it broke in blessings through painful joy. Mm. So good. That's so good. So tell, so now with that in mind, because Anna, I just want to give you a word of encouragement too, because from that first phone call that I technically met you on to, to, <laughs> yeah. to now, I, wow. Like, God has truly elevated you in so many ways. So I just want to, I want to give you. you that moment to know that, like, just from the way that you're talking. Cause I remember you were like, yeah, I could give two flips about what I'm saying right now. And I think that was a lot of your anger. I think that was a lot yeah, of your that's anger. Exactly. Yeah. Cause it was real. That anger was real. It, yeah. was, it was there. I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't have early emotions mm. because I did. So many times I called my mom just, colorful words and escalated <laughs> phrases and just, uh, just anger, right? Because yeah. I was, I, because of somebody else's choices, wow. I was put into a situation that I didn't like. So mm. of course I had earthly reactions, but yeah. at, at the end of the day, no matter if I called my mom or my best friend, it was always, okay, Kate, take a deep breath. You'll be all right. God's got it. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Move on. And that's, that's where it ended up. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I just want to say like to now, like I can I can definitely see and feel and um, just hear the 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 amount of just healing that God has done in you and that he continues to do. So I I definitely just wanted to give a shout out to that for you. Thank you. That means the world. Thank you. (laughs) Definitely. The next thing I want to ask you, um, how is dating after divorce and before you oh answer because <laughs> we were we were so excited to talk to you again for the third time I'm saying it but we were because we wanted to know like people need to know this people have been through this yeah and yeah. for for a girl for a female I feel like man like one of the pinnacles of their life is to get married and have a family yeah it's not yep. it doesn't define them it doesn't you know that's not everything that they are we know that right but that's a right. huge part of what they long for so for yeah. you to go through all of that reach that pinnacle in in what you thought was the pinnacle you know what I mean yeah yeah like how does that change for you now 
and obviously we see all the healing, but how now do you move forward with, with even opening yourself up to dating and being vulnerable in that way? And I know you mentioned what you're looking for now, but, but tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Um, so I, <laughs> dating after divorce sucks. Uh, there's just no other way to put it. I mean, dating in today's world is just not fun because nobody, one, the things that I have come to learn scripturally in Christ are not the popular things. Mm -hmm. Um, and two, some of the greatest things about today's world, like social media and communication have made intentional dating. That's not casual, mm. a thing of the past. Wow. And that's what I struggle with the most. And for me, honestly, I probably started dating too soon after mm. I got divorced. Um, but I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, I, I knew it as I came to realize it as I was going about it. Um, and now I'm, I'm much more comfortable. And on top of that, for me, understanding that when I started dating, I was looking for security and that was the wrong mm. motivation. Um, but for me, it's, it's a matter of at this point in my life, I don't have time for games, mm. right? Like yeah. I, I don't have time for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. Mm. And I, in the past I was, you know, Oh, a bouquet of red flags. I'll take a dozen. <laughs> like that's, that's great. <laughs> Um, but now I've also gotten over the fear that I'll end up alone and mm. I'm, I am okay in recognizing a red flag for me and walking away. Mm. I mean, I, I may not meet my husband until I'm 60 and that's wow. fine. We may be married for 10 years, five years. I don't know. I, I have no idea, but that God knows that one of the huge desires of my heart is to share a life with a husband, mm. not because I, I want to be married, but because I want to share in the glory of Christ with somebody. Wow. I want to work with, with Christ to somebody. And that, that is a really, really fine line when you start approaching dating in today's world, mm -hmm. because on one hand, right, you want to, you, you want to be very clear about your expectations. Like, mm. I, like I am pursuing for dating, but on the same hand, you don't want to freak somebody out yeah, <laughs> in the yeah. first like two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's just kind of one of those things where it's boy, show me your Bible. Like mm. if I, if I know that you've got a Bible, then I don't really need to know the rest because a dating and, and just, honestly turning over control in your dating life too, turning over to Christ. Mm -hmm. Cause you, you can sit there and try and pursue all you want and go looking for it. But God knows already how it's going to happen and when you're going to meet whoever you're supposed to marry. So you just have to turn that over to him too. And I'm still struggling with that. I don't know what that looks like. Um, and for me too, it's almost getting into a dangerous position because I've been single long enough now that I'm like, well, I've got my routine mm. and I don't want to share a bathroom with somebody again. <laughs> and I don't want to share a kitchen with somebody again. That's why you but get two just... bathrooms. Not one and a half Amen. bath. You get two full <laughs> right. <cool> bathrooms. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So it's just that today's, today's dating world is a lot different mm -hmm. than the dating world, even that I was a part of before I got married, even though my priorities were off then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought you were going to keep going. I probably could. No, I, mean, I, I bet that's how much I'm just like, man, this is good. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, truthfully for me, um, it's, I, I've had to realize that I am not going to fight. Actually, I'll get super vulnerable here. Here, yes, one please. of the things that I started doing was I started writing letters to my future husband. Ooh. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I started, let me, I, I, this box is actually right in front of me. How wow. many letters have I written to the poor man at this point in time? <laughs> um, we're up to 12. I've written wow. the man 12 letters already. Um, and if I meet him when I'm 60, God bless him wow. for uh, who knows how many letters he's going to have great at that point <laughs> mm-hmm. in time. But <laughs> it just, it was a way for me to stay focused and remember that, that my, my future, he's out there somewhere mm-hmm. and there are parts of my heart that he's going to know. And so it, it helps me kind of stay close mm-hmm. to him and remember, cause, and the other thing that I really struggled with was again, if you're going to date me, you're also going to date my past. Wow. Like you, you don't get me without getting my yesterday, mm. whether I like that or not, I would prefer that to not be the case, <laughs> but unfortunately that's just the reality. Yeah. And so I honestly struggled with oversharing parts of my story, giving parts of my story to guys that didn't deserve it. Mm. Um, and honestly, for me to sit here and say that I have followed scripture, A, B, C, D, E, exactly the way God has laid it out since my divorce would be a lie. That's definitely yeah. not. I mean, I'm still at the end of the day, I am still human. I am still tempted by all of the things that everybody else was tempted by. And I mean, old habits falling into some old habits yeah. too. But those letters have helped me remember that I, I mean, a, a wife stays faithful to her husband even before she knows him. Mm-hmm. And so that those letters are just, I mean, I wrote one the other day because I was bored and I'm like, you know, someday we're going to be talking about what we were both doing in quarantine yeah. in 2020. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there was, and then, I mean, I, I started them when I was going through my divorce process and there was one day when it just kind of hit me that it was real. It wasn't, wow. it was not going away. So I just wrote a letter where I just, I spilled my emotions into wow. this letter. And, and I, I mean, I, I have them and I, I don't know when I'll give them to my future husband, mm. whether it's the night before our wedding, whether it's the day after we're married, whether it's the day we're getting, I don't know. I will pray about that and God will reveal that answer mm-hmm. to me. But I just, it, it has helped me stay connected and remember that not every man that I pursue in dating or that pursues in dating gets to have the deep pieces of me that have made up who I am. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And who do you address it to? Dear who? Um, so I write these chitty, cheesy little things on the front of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, oh my gosh, this is totally hilarious. So the first one says to my super hot hunk of a husband, <laughs> the sexiest blonde dime piece in all the land. So I'm like, Cheesy with some of them. What do some of the others say? Um, let's see here. What's another one? Uh, so I wrote one on January 1st, 2020. It said a new year with new chances to be thankful for wow. his uh, old unfailing love. Mm. Um, number 10 tonight. I wanted to feel safe. Um, I'm not always going to be easy to get along with and neither will you, but wow. I choose to love you always. And you are, you, you aren't allowed to forget that. So it's just whatever I'm feeling in the moment is just what I write and I put them in this box and then I just, I mean, I'll let it sit there. I mean, the box might be full. It's probably a foot by six. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's a big box. It's got, it's got Joshua one night on it, which is one That's of my awesome. favorites. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just, I'll hand it over to the man and he can either run from me at that point in time. or. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's the, the, and the thing that's hard too about dating for me specifically, and, and for anybody that, that's walked through the divorce is that, again, I am always going to love my ex-husband mm. and, and that divorce is always yeah. going to hurt. Like it, yeah. there, there will be times when it is always going to make me cry. It, that's just a real part of it. And it is going to take a man 
that is incredibly, incredibly strong and rooted and mm. knows and lives the love of God mm -hmm. to know that the love that I have for my ex-husband is not a love that's going to interfere with the love that he and I will have. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's good. So going to take a heck of a man. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, and I'm, I'm willing to wait for that because I know, and on the same hand, I know that dating a divorced woman is not for everybody either. Mm -hmm. And I'm not for everybody either. So I totally understand. <laughs> and I mean, that, that brings out a whole nother uh, strong, conversation. A strong too. three is not the best for strong everyone. Right. You're right. A strong three <laughs> is not the best for everyone. Right. But even on the same, like there's also in today's world, we also don't, give people the courtesy of saying, Hey, we've done this for a little bit now, but I, I truthfully don't see this moving forward. I think you're a great person. I just don't think you're my great person. Uh -huh. So let's just walk away from uh -huh. this. That is, that and is something, okay. honestly, yeah. it is okay. Wow. That is okay. And I think that's, that's also the difference between a boy and a man. Mm. Um, boys will just walk away and not take accountability for their own actions. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Experience that one, <laughs> been there. Um, but a man is, is going to say, Hey, I just don't see this being exactly what it needs to be for either of us. Uh, so we're going to choose to walk away from this and you can be adults in the situation. Uh, that's good. And you're, you're speaking to both sides. That's really good. That's really it's good. True. Yeah. It, it goes for men and women, mm -hmm. right? Just be yeah. willing and just be honest and say, Hey, this isn't what I want. And I think we should just walk away from this. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that you are, cause I think there's a lot of even, you know, single guys who are going to be listening to this and saying, wow, like, you know, I need to, <laughs> I need to work on some things. I got to look in the mirror a little <laughs> yes. bit longer. I was yeah. one of them. Yeah, yeah. I was one of them. I love the, I love that you write those letters. Keep doing it. Definitely keep doing it because I did the same thing. I went through, mine was when I went through a, a really bad breakup and I'm being in super vulnerable here too. And Catherine knows this is I went through a really bad breakup before and I, and how I got through it was the journaling. But what I did was, yeah, because I thought I still loved that person. I thought I still wanted to be in that relationship. Mm -hmm. So I would address it. I mean, like probably 20 to 30 <laughs> letters in yeah. there myself saying dear heart's desire, because that's what I thought Ooh. it was. So I'd yes. be like dear heart's desire today, this, this, you know, dear heart's desire today, this and that. And until I was good until I was yeah. like, it, it, you could clearly see the change of what it was when it was like, dear heart's desire, just please take me back. Please, please, please. Like, you, yeah, you could see yeah. the transition from, I feel like me being a boy into a man through those, because by the end of it, mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, I hope you're doing well and whatever you, whatever, wherever you're at. And yep. because there was no closure in that relationship, that was my closure yeah. for me. Yeah. And it got to yeah. the point where I was just like, Hey, I hope you're doing great. God's going to bless you. Awesome. Like yep. live your life and do well. Right. And just know that I'm learning a lot from what we've been through, but also what I'm doing now. And that's it. And I love that you're doing that. Continue to do it. Um, and the last thing that I want to ask you is, uh, what are your words of affirmation for anybody that this could potentially happen to, or has been through it or is going through it right now? Oh man, probably the thing that I would say is just don't be afraid. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of scary. There's a lot of unknown and don't be afraid that you don't know what tomorrow looks like. Don't be afraid that you're feeling emotions that you maybe haven't felt before. Don't be afraid that there are going to be people in your life that might reveal their character to you. And that might not be the character that you thought. 
Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to walk with Jesus, even if that walk looks really scary. Just don't be afraid. Be be absolutely fearless in the pursuit of what God is laying out for you, because whatever he has planned for you is going to be a mighty walk that's going mm-hmm. to require absolute trust. And there's no room for fear in that. Wow. Mm, I love that. A mighty walk. That just like, that feels so powerful and so, so strong. Mighty walk after falling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just about to say that, that tied well. I didn't do that intentionally. I swear. I'm a brand man. I'm a brand man. <laughs> well, that's right. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yep. Oh my gosh. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much for sharing your story and for just being so open and vulnerable. We appreciate it. And we know that, you know, someone out there is going to appreciate it too.